0: I would like everyone to rise as we read our scripture today. Um, Let's begin with this. We're still in the same message. This is my last uh, sermon on this series, Dragon's Resume. Um, We're going to read the entire chapter uh, of Revelation 13. Probably the most, one of the most uh, heard about, known chapter probably in Revelation because of the message that's inside this chapter. So let's read this all together. Revelation 13, verse 1 to 18. Let's read this uh, loudly uh, with, with all our heart. I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet were like a bear's. And its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. And one of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound. But its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon. For he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering Hothi and Masmu's words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name, his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war with the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world, in the book of life of the lamb was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword and the sword must be, he must be slain. Here's the call of the endurance and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of all people. And by the signs, it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to speak the breath, the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who do not worship the beast to be slain. Also it costs all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave. To be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Six, six. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the reading of the Lord's word. You may, you may sit down. I want you to consider that this, remember this, that this is Jesus who wrote these words. So there's really a reason why Christ has put this two chapters right in the middle of Revelation. You know, oftentimes we Christians we ignore, you know, understanding who we are dealing against, you know, who is our enemy and what is he doing, what are his plans. But as believers, I believe God wants us to be aware of what the enemy is doing and, and his intentions, his purposes. Uh, and we as believers also, we get to know also how we can be more sensitive in terms of what he's doing in this world and in our lives today. Amen. And uh, we can be, be more, uh, know how to resist him, how to overcome him. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you that you have revealed yourself even through such passage as this, O God. Lord, uh, oftentimes we ignore passages like this. Lord, forgive us, Lord. Give us the courage and faith that we will not be fearful, O God, of anything, Lord, the enemy does to us or his intentions, his plans, or any description of his work. We will not be fearful, Lord. For we are in you, Lord. We belong to you. And you are in control. Even in control of him, O oh God, and his uh, spiritual army, O oh God. Lord, I ask your blessing today as your word is going to be preached, Lord. I pray for blessing for those upon, who are listening online, Lord. And Lord, we also entrust our brethren, Lord, who are, are going through difficult times right now, even those who are sick. Uh, Lord, even for my, my nephew and niece who are sick right now, Ethan and Avery, bring healing lord and lord i know that uh we have brothers and sisters who are struggling with family challenges lord we continue to lift unto you uh the challenges and struggles that the bernadette and her family uh is going through lord uh, we just entrust chris into your hands I, wanna, I want us our church to continue to pray for him and lord uh, and pray also lord we pray for uh, everyone else who are listening online on whatever their challenges and struggles they're going through especially lord uh, Lord, in the Philippines, many are, are, Lord, are struggling with the increased number of uh, cases of COVID, Lord, and I know many countries around the world, even India right now, Lord, is going to a spike in, in sick cases of sick people getting sick because of COVID, Lord, and deaths Oh God. Lord, I ask your grace to be upon that country. I ask your grace to be upon our country, the Philippines. I pray also for your grace even upon this country, United States, Lord. Lord, I pray that you, you work in these circumstances, O oh God, bring healing and deliverance, but above all, Lord, that you will use such a situation as this, O oh God, to bring people to yourself, to draw people to yourself, O oh God. Hearts uh, open to listen to your truth, to listen to your word, to listen to the gospel. And help us as a church, O oh God, to be that kind of church who reaches out to the nations, that we will not be ashamed, as afraid, O oh God, uh, fearful lord uh, lord even though even to the point if someone is going to threaten our church threaten our lives threaten our family we will not be fearful we will persevere O oh god in the midst of persecution lord lord uh, i ask your blessing today for lord you alone can make an impact in my heart in the heart of everyone who's going to listen to this message thank you lord oh glory be to you even as your word is being preached in Jesus name, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 I talk about the epic last week. you know, most stories follow a certain pattern, and, and we're very much interested into those kinds of stories, because it is the story of the Bible, you know, talking about good times, then an enemy, a villain, comes along, and a hero comes along. And saves the day, then everything will be good again. So the, most stories follow that kind of plot. And, and it's exciting for many people because it's really the story, the history of the universe. The story of the universe and scripture and story that God uh, put together for us. But in mo- most plots, you know, movie sto- movies or stories, the enemy is usually known. It's all, all, all obvious. However, the most insidious and most destructive kind of enemy or adversary are the ones who appear to be a hero, who appear to be a good person, but behind the scenes is an evil person. That is the kind of enemy that's very, very dangerous, right? You don't want those kinds of people in your life, right? They smile at you, they're friendly, but behind the scenes, they're going to stab your back. You know, one of the villains that's well-known, that, that, that kind of villain is the guy in Star Wars, right? Uh, Dark Sidious or the Chancellor, you know? He was very, he's very humble as a Chancellor, but as but Dark Sidious, he was very evil. Uh, you know, doble cara. Uh, we don't get, want those kinds of people in your life as well. Um, that's why I think he's called Dark Sidious because he's very insidious. And, uh, you know, Satan is like that. His strategies in dealing with the human race is exactly like that. He would portray himself as an angel of light. He will portray himself as something good and attractive to people. But behind the scenes, his intention is to destroy you, to destroy the lives of people. Why did Adam and Eve quickly trusted the serpent? Why do you think? They know God. They talk to God. But here comes serpent. And they quickly trusted the serpent. You know, in just a moment, whatever the serpent said, they believe. You know what Satan did, what the serpent did? He, tr- he, he showed Adam and Eve some kind of sympathy for their, uh, you know, situation. He appeared to be a hero. He appeared as a hero to Adam and Eve. That he will be saving them from this bad god that's what that's what satan tried to portray himself to adam and eve now let me just paraphrase what what satan did or what the serpent said to adam Uh, in my own paraphrase were uh, words of the of genesis chapter 3 of that portion in that passage are you sure god is telling the truth adam or eve have you ever considered that god is lying to you and that you will not really die Adam, I'm here to tell you, God wants only to keep the power and authority to himself. In fact, when you eat the fruit, you will become like God. You will know good and evil. You do not have to depend on God. You do not have to depend uh, on him for wisdom. You can be on your own, Adam and Eve. You can, Adam, you can be a better man without God. Eve, you can be a better woman without God. Adam, I'm on your side. I understand how you feel. Go ahead, eat the fruit. Oh, you know, that's, in, I think because of those words, how it, this is my paraphrase, but that's exactly what Satan did. He won Adam and Eve's trust and sympathy. And, and the serpent, the dragon, Satan, has been using this strategy, strategy ever since. It's the same strategy throughout history and, and even during the tribulation period. It's the same strategy. He will cast doubt on God's character and nature. And, and, and as a result people will begin to reject God, believe in themselves believe in what Satan will try to reveal what the world reveals and as a result people will reject God, reject offer of salvation and this will lead them to eternity in, in hell eternity in the lake of fire and sadly many will listen to the lies of Satan. That's really tragic. And the Bible reveals to us that many will agree with Satan, listen to him, and because this is what Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Who is the, who is the person who, who wants to lead you to destruction? It's not God. It's not Jesus. It is Satan. It is a dragon, it is a serpent. It says there, and those who enter it are many. Meaning there's really a lot of people who's going to believe the words of the enemy. And during the tribulation periods, the enemy, the dragon, will again use the same strategy. This time, he will appear not as a serpent, but as a man. As a human being in the form of, the, of, his, of his son, uh, the second person of the unholy trinity, Antichrist. And he will do everything to win man's um, approval. He's not going to try to up- win the approval of just one or two persons as in the garden. This time he's going to try to win the approval and the sympathy of the whole world, of the human race, of all mankind. And, and what, what you read, what you'll find out in Revelation 13, that that only that people will trust Him, people of the world are going to worship Him, are going to surrender their lives to Him. How? What's the evidence of their surrender? They're going to accept Satan's signature. They're going to accept what Satan is going to put on their bodies putting his mark on their bodies which we call the mark of the beast which we're going look to at, look at later so the tri- during the tribulation period this is the, I would say the, the peak of the dragon's career so we've been talking about the dragon's resume this is at the peak of his career this is the climax of Satan's career of course after this that's why we even though we know that this is going to be ugly this is not going to be good for us and the whole world, for believers and everyone in the world, but we know this also at the, towards the end of his career, because at, after this he's gonna be imprisoned. Imprisoned. So even though this is not doesn't sound good, doesn't look good, but it's still a source of rejoicing for us, because Satan is about to come to his end at this point in time. And and this too leaders that he's going to raise up. One is going to come out of the sea symbolically. Another one symbolically is going to come out of land. One is a political leader. The other one is a religious leader. So these are two people. I'm talking about a person that's going to rise up at the end of world history during the tribulation. And probably before the tribulation, they're going to be you know, showing themselves to the public more and more maybe. We don't exactly know how it's going to happen, but but they're going to be more well-known in time. And one is a political leader again. The other one is a religious leader. The political leader is the Antichrist. He's going to be a politician, obviously. Eventually, he's going to be a mon- some kind of monarch or a king. The other guy is going to be some kind of a Christian, false Christian leader, uh, Sort of, he will portray himself as someone who represents Christ, but not really Christ—the antichrist. He's gonna be the promoter of the antichrist, and is known as the false prophet, prophet, false prophet. And these two world leaders will rise up during the tribulation period, and these are the two beasts in Revelation 13. So I know when we read Revelation, we think that these are really some people are scared of this because they think these are actual animals. Monsters, but reality, these are people, human beings, who will lead the nations during the time. And so the last time we talked about the woman who was pregnant, I, this was the picture I wanted to show last week, but it wasn't there. Uh, and, and the dragon there is Satan. The woman is Israel, pregnant with a baby, and the baby is Jesus. And, and this dragon will give rise to two beasts, two, two uh, let's just call them monsters as well. And the first one, the first beast is the Antichrist, and we talked about this extensively last week. So I'm just going to go quickly through what we talk about, then then move on uh, to the next passages. Verse 1, with regards to this beast. Uh, verse 1, I saw a beast rising out of the sea, with ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns on its horns, and blasphemous names on its So blasphemy, insult against God. Okay, just remember that because this is really going to be our application later on. Uh, Any word of insult, you know, against God, dishonoring God. Um, So when we talk about the sea, this reminds us of the abyss. You know, in the Old Testament there's this idea of the sea is often equated with the abyss. And we know what the abyss is. It's the prison for fallen angels. It's the prison uh, where God put all the fallen angels in. Some, not all of them, but some of the fallen angels are on earth. And we can say that this beast rise out, will rise from the realm of the fallen angels or realm of demons. And so this beast will have the characteristics, the natural and supernatural ability of Satan. This beast will have... authority of Satan so we can imagine that this guy this Antichrist will be a charismatic persuasive world leader he will he knows how to speak to people he is very good with words he will rule over the ten regions of the earth so we believe that during this time the world will be divided into ten regions ten areas and, and we believe that this point in history there will be leaders on each of those regions that will be an, under this, this person, under this Antichrist and how do we know this? Uh, how do we know that the earth will be divided into ten regions? We can go back to Daniel chapter 2 Remember the feet of that statue that huge statue that Daniel saw and, and the feet was made of iron and clay and the emphasis there was that there were ten toes There were ten toes So it it somewhat tells us that at the, at the last kingdom, it's going to be a mix of the nations and some Roman influence. Because the, the, the last part is made of iron and clay, and we know what the iron is, right? It's the Roman Empire. And the clay means everyone else, like, like you and me, all of us who are part of that clay. And so it has ten toes. So it, reminds us, it tells us that there will be a kingdom, of, uh, a world empire of ten regions, There's a leader of each of those regions, and it has some influence, not only of all the nations, but also of the Roman Empire. Some influence from there. Verse 2, and the beast that I saw was like a leopard, feet of the bear, mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave his his power and his throne and great authority, so he has the authority of Satan. And this world empire has certain characteristics. We talked about this last week again. The lion's mouth reminds us of Babylon. Uh, it takes us back to the Tower of Babel when the world had a common form of language. Back then, Babylon was not an empire yet, but that was the beginning of Babylon. And they had a common form of language and communication. So we believe during the time the world is able to communicate very well. There might be a common way of communication, It might not be exactly a common language, but a common way of people being able to communicate with one another. So the world by then can easily, easily communicate with one another, regardless of what language you come from, culture you come from, or nation you come from. The the bear's feet here reminds us of Persia. Persia, when they conquer nations, they are without mercy. This future leader is going to destroy its opponents without mercy. Without mercy, without ruthless mercy a leader who dis- will destroy any opponent, any enemy. Uh, and the leop- leopard's body reminds us of Greece. This is, this is the, the country, the empire that, that, that easily during the time, you know, united the world in one culture, and in fact, almost one language. Just imagine, the Bible was written, the New Testament bi- part of the Bible was written in Greek. Think about that. Their influence was so great that even the Jewish authors of the Bible wrote the Bible in, in the Greek language. So this leader, this Antichrist, will unite the world. Probably he's going to have a, put in a common culture, common values around the world, world, beliefs around the world. We're seeing this right now. And these are the kind of values and beliefs that we don't agree with as Christians. Right? Everywhere in the world right now, abortion is okay. Gay marriage is getting to be accepted around the world as well. There are still many parts that don't accept it, but eventually it's going to be accepted. This is the kind of culture this world, the world is going to come to. Whatever things that you know is wrong today, that we disagree as Christians... It's going to be normal next during this time. And it's going to be common around the world. It's going to be accepted around the world. And Christianity is going to be persecuted, rejected, and even killed. And that's going to happen also around the world. That's the kind of culture or, or, or you know, experience that we're going to have during the time. Um, the seven heads brings us back to the Roman Empire. Remember, the Roman Empire established the Pax Romana, which means peace, but it's actually a false Peace, and so this leader will bring about false peace. But it's it's the kind of peace that there's there's a, there's oppression. Now you are it's a force kind of peace, like what the Romans did. They were and this this empire that the Antichrist will lead will be a strong and probably the greatest military military power ever. Just like the Roman Empire, who was a you know great military power. It's going to be the one of the greatest military power that's ever existed so this is what we expect during the, the tribulation uh, under the leadership of this beast the antichrist let's go to verse three one of its heads head seems to have a mortal wound but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast so so this is where the strategy of satan comes in he will try to win the sympathy of the world, he's going to make the world love him. How? How is? How is it that you No. How? How will he do this? He will imitate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This antichrist will imitate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He will be mortally wounded. What we believe here is that this person is going to die. He's going to die through some kind of wound. Maybe by a sword or somebody is going to shoot him. Or somebody is probably going to poison him. We don't know exactly how this is going to happen. But this person, this Antichrist, is going to die. And probably he's going to be mourned for several days. Maybe there's going to be a live stream of his death and everyone in the world is able to see that this world leader died and he might be di- dead for three days. And he's going to be on every social media. There will be a lot of YouTube videos about him. His life, oh, they're, they're going to start mourning and talking about his accomplishments. And CNN is going to report about the good things he did for the world. Then after three days, he's going to rise back to life. And everyone in the world is going to see this on live stream during the time. What do you think the world will do? When you see someone dead, really die in public, dead in public, rise up to life after three days. What do you think? It's going to happen. The whole world will marvel. They will follow him, listen to him. And not only that, going to worship him. The world will worship this man. And they worshiped the dragon for he had given the authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like this, the beast? Who can fight against him? They're going to say, whoa, this man died and he rose again? Who can fight against this guy? He lives again. He is alive. They're going to have their own resurrection Sunday for this, for this man. Right? They're going to have some kind of Easter service for this man. And they worship, they'll worship this man like instead of God. Like they worship supposed to worship God. They're now worshiping this man. These words that are saying, these are the words that describe of God. Who is like God? But now they're going to say, who is like the beast? And the Jews, who've, who's been waiting for the Messiah for a long time, they're gonna fall into this lie, into this trap. They're gonna work. They're gonna believe this Messiah, uh, this this uh, person, this Antichrist is their long-awaited Messiah. And many of 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 many Christians around the world, who who I would say Christians by name, unbelievers, but they know something about Christianity, they will fall to this lie as well. You know, there are a lot of cultural Christians in this country. There are a lot of people in this world who claim to be Christians. In fact, you know, almost 100% of people in the Philippines claim to be Christians. Almost 100%. Oh, not, not 100, maybe 80, excluding the mos- Muslims. But, but many, I would say many, claim to be Christians. But the thing is, if you are not a true Christian, you will fall to this lie. You will fall to this lie during the time. And now they begin to follow and worship this beast, this Antichrist. But only true believers, true followers of Christ, will see the lie. Only the church, true church, only Christianity, true Christianity will see the lie and reject this during the time. They will see this. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's not for real. That's, that's a fake Jesus. And so they worship the dragon. They also worship Satan, not only the beast, but Satan himself. And when they begin to worship, uh, prior, sorry, prior to worshiping the beast, this person is going to desecrate the temple of God. Um, just go to the next so around the time of the around the middle of the tribulation period um, the temple will be desecrated by by the beast he will he will set himself in that temple you know claiming to be that he claiming that he is the messiah and from the, this is halfway through the tribulation. This is the middle part of the tribulation. So, so his this worship of the beast and Satan uh, is going to happen right around. Uh, will begin around the middle part of the tribulation until the end of the tribulation. Because it says in verse uh, in where was I? Yeah, let's let's go on to the next passage. In 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 verse uh, five, it says there that. That uh, the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous word. It was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. For 42 months. So that's three and a half years. The second part of tribulation, the second half. Let's go to verse uh, 7. Okay. And so it was allowed to make war on the saints. So not only that people of the world were worshipping this beast. But it's also going to make war with the saints, with believers, with you. And to conquer them, meaning to, to destroy them, kill them. And the authority was given it over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So, so it had control over people, tribe, and nations. You know, eventually Jesus is going to take back those nations. But, but at this point in time, he will be in control over the nations. He will be control over the nations. Verse 7, let's move on. Verse 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. It's verse 9. And go on. If anyone is to be taken captive to... to captivity he will go. He goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So during this time, the world is going to worship him, but Christians are going to be persecuted. Many will be taken captive, martyred as that passage saying there, and put to death during his reign. And and this antichrist will rule over every nation. And he will make war against Christians all over the world. Not just in the United States. This is going to be all over the world. Even in, in the Philippines and many other countries around the world, there will be, there'll be war against believers. Now imagine a, a kingdom, a person with, with that military might. All the military powers in the world is under his control. And he needs that. Because there will be a lot of Christians during the time. There will be a lot of people who will turn to Christ during the time. Amen? I believe so. There's going to be many believers also during the time. And so he's going to be fighting against millions of people who will be opposing him. Millions and millions of Christians are going to be opposing him. And and so he needs all that power. The, The enemy this time is not a different nation It's not aliens, (laughs) it's not terrorists, like the terrorists we have today, but these are the believers, the people of God. This will be his enemy, and he will use everything he can to destroy God's people. But in that last statement there, we as Christians, we are called to endure this kind of circumstance. We are called to endure any kind of hardship, persecution, because we know from the whole story of Revelation, this is only temporary. Amen? Any kind of hardship you're going through today is just temporary. This COVID situation, even though it's taking so long, it's temporary. Because one day, we'll be with Christ in heaven. We'll be with Him for all eternity. And those who reject Christ, they're punishment, their, their eternal death is forever. Eternal death has no end. Their punishment is forever. And so for us, let's endure these kinds of things. And for them, we, they are encouraged during the time. Christ is, is encouraging them in that last statement to endure. To endure such situation because it is Tempo vary. Eventually, Satan and all his demons and all the people that that rejects Christ will be sent to the lake of fire. One thing that's revealed here also is the book of life. Is the book of life that if your name is not written in the book of life, you have no part with Jesus Christ. They have no part with Christ. Uh, let me go back to that. Seven. That's verse eight. It says there All who dwell on earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So if your name is not written in the book of life, you, you, you have no part with Jesus. And likely, the person, based on what you hear and read in this passage, these are the people that that are not part of the book of life, written in the book of life, that they're going to worship this beast, Antichrist. So I pray that all of us have surrendered our life to Christ and our name is already written in that book, the book of life of Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at the second beast beast here. Uh, And the second beast is the false prophet, the false prophet. You know, the, the description of this beast is very short. It's only in verse 1, actually. That's where you see his description. Uh, at least the image of that beast. Um, it says that it has two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So, the only way, we, the, probably that's why the drawing is like that, because we think that it looks like a lamb with horns. Normally, lambs don't have horns, but. But this lamb has a horn. So let's read verse, verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. So this time, not on the water, water, but out of the earth, it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. So, so this second world leader uh, is more gentle. He's more attractive to people than, than the Antichrist. The Antichrist was probably very, very uh, power, strong, very, uh, you know, um, I would say very 8AA type personality, a CEO kind of personality, a leader kind of personality. Uh, maybe he's a very uh, decisive kind of person. Um, and, and people look at him as, as a very strong leader. This second person, the, B, the, second, uh, the third person in, in Satan's unholy trinity, the, the false prophet, is probably meek. He was a meek person, like a lamb. And while the, while the Antichrist tries to imitate, you know, the person of Jesus, this, this person, this false prophet will try to imitate Christ's ministry. He will try to imi- imitate what Jesus did, uh, how he related with people. He will probably portray himself as so, uh, some kind of a Christian leader. Because... We're talking about the Antichrist, imitating Jesus. So this person is going to imitate what Christians, Christian leaders will have done throughout the centuries. But he is going to be a false Christian teacher, a false Christian prophet, a false Christian leader. He Remember Jesus when he said in Matthew 7.15, I'm not sure if I put it in here yeah it's there and Matthew 7, 15, he said beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravenous wolves so this leader will look like some kind of a smiling friendly meek christian leader and everyone will like him listen to him his words are very positive he's going to talk he's not probably going to talk about negative things and people will really love him and and But he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know if he's going to wear robes or anything or wear a hat. We don't know. (laughs) Possibly, right? But he is a person who's going to be attractive to pretty much every person in the world, every unbelieving person in the world. And, And this person, let's go on. Verse 12, it says, it it exercises all the authority of the first beast, meaning it has the authority of the first beast, it has the power of the first beast as well, in its presence and and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It deforms, uh, it, it performs, deforms, performs. It's like a D there. Performs great signs, even makes fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Uh, Verse 14. And by the signs that it has allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lives. So it looks like it tells us that the beast was wounded killed by the sword in this passage. But what it tells us is that this beast, you know, the, it seems that this beast has uh, authority and power as the first beast, but but this second one, we know probably has lesser authority given it had only two horns, but it has, he, the authority he has only happens in the presence of the first beast. So meaning the authority he has is given to him by the, by the first beast, beast, by the Antichrist, and that's, But we know that by himself he has lesser authority because he has only two horns, whereas the other one has seven horns, uh, ten horns, seven heads. And it says here, his mission is to make the people of the earth worship the first beast, and he performs great signs and wonders so to convince people to listen to him. And, of course, to encourage people to worship the beast, the first beast. And what we notice here is that he will make an image of the beast for people to worship. An idol, an image of the beast, an image of the Antichrist. And this image, apparently, is able to talk. So I, I don't really know what this is. It could be, you know, maybe a robot, I don't know, maybe, or something. But it creates an image. This reminds us of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, during the time of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Remember, Nebuchadnezzar built a 90-feet uh, 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 image of himself and asked people to worship that gold image. And, and, and those who don't worship will be, will be killed. And, and so, this is something we believe is going to happen during this time as well, that there will be idols that will be erected and may... Uh, of the Antichrist, and this false prophet will ask people to worship this uh, this this uh, image of the Antichrist, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. So this is where I was, this is what I was talking about, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who not worship the image. Of the beast to be slain so because Christians are not going to worship this beast on this image of of the Antichrist they're gonna be slain because think about this Antichrist is probably going to be based on in Israel or somewhere else we don't know where but probably Israel is gonna be based there and so the people of different nations are probably going to be given an idol or an image to worship which represents the Antichrist now you might be asking, Al, oh, I don't think people today are going to buy that. Because we are now modern culture. And we don't worship idols made of stone, clay, or, or uh, uh, wood, or whatever. In fact, in our men's, uh, men's uh, um, meetup, we talk about idols right now. We, our topic is gods of war. And we, we, our topic is talking about, we talk about the, the idols that people worship today. And most, pretty much all the idols that we talk about there are, are spiritual idols. Uh, the idol of money, the idol of lust or, or, or sex, the idol of uh, of entertainment, the idol of materialism, and, and many kinds of idols, the pe- oh, idol of your, your work, uh, of uh, power, position. So So these are spiritual idols. But, you know, Knowing the kind of knowing our world today and the cultures around the world, I think I believe people are going to worship even a physical idol like this. Just just think about this. Now I think that my number now might be more accurate. This is what I was trying to say <laughs> earlier. Even in the Philippines, eighty percent of the people there worship idols made of stone. In our own country, Philippines. Almost 80% of the population worship idols made of stone. Santo Nino, Virgin Mary, Peter, whatever. Crucifix. These are all idols made of stones. They're not worshipping God, Jesus, or anything like that. These are idols they're worshipping. Idols of stone. And, and, they're so, and people get excited when the idol starts bleeding blood on the eyes and starts dancing. Right? They get excited with that. They don't know that those are the work of demons or probably a work of a very, you know, electronic engineer priest, or maybe, or someone. But just think of other cultures: India, China, Japan. This country still worship idols made of stone and gold. Just think of the huge Buddha statues around the world. Even the cat that you have in your house. I mean, there's a lot of this around the world. It's not hard to imagine that when the Antichrist is going to build an image, all these people who are worshiping this, all these kinds of idols, they're just going to turn around and say, I'm not going to worship Virgin Mary anymore. I'm not going to worship uh, the crucifix or, 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 or even the Santo Nino. I'm going to turn from that because this is better. <laughs> right? I'm not going to worship Buddha anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to worship the Dalai Lama anymore because this is better. This, uh, this Antichrist is better because he is physically on earth. I can see him. And there are m- miracles that are going on and they're going to be convinced by, by this what, what, the, what the false prophet is going to sell. It's not hard to imagine that the people of the world today, even though we think we are a modern culture, scientifically inclined culture, I don't think they're going re- to you know, reject this. They're even going to embrace this. It's what this prophecy is saying, that the world is going to worship this idol and they're going to worship the Antichrist and they're going to worship Satan himself. And the only ones who's going to reject this are believers, and they're going to be killed. They're going to be martyred. They're going to be persecuted. Because they're the ones, that it says there, that they would not worship. The image of the beast will be slain. Those who would not worship will be slain. Last statement there. Okay, let's go on to the last part now. Verse 16, toward, till the end. And so... Also, it causes all, both great and small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand, on the forehead. So these people who are worshiping the beast, who are committed to the Antichrist, who surrender their life to the Antichrist, they're going to be marked in, 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 um, because this is out of their devotion. They're so devoted to the Antichrist that they are willing to be marked as a follower of the Antichrist so that no one can buy unless they have the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name that calls this calls for wisdom so it takes wisdom to understand this let let the one who is who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man so this is a very important statement here because it gives us understanding of what 666 is It says here it's a number of a man and his number is six six six. So this, there's a lot of speculation, movies about this, uh, but but it's really hard to pinpoint what this is exactly. So so I will I'm not gonna pinpoint what this six 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 is in terms of w- whether it's a chip or a tattoo or a or a or a vaccine <laughs> or or a, or some kind of thing you put in your body or even a confession, even just a confession of 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 worshiping the Antichrist, we don't really know exactly what it is, but I'm going to show you something else, so that you'll understand my point as well. So, so this false prophet, it is the false prophet who's going to promote this, not the Antichrist. That this is his job to promote this this thing, where the marking of the 666 to the devoted followers of the Antichrist, and they'll be given so that to, to even encourage probably people more or less like what happened during the Roman Empire when when the Roman Empire adopted Christianity they were given benefits certain benefits to those who become Christians through the Roman Empire you know what happens here is that there will be economic privileges to those who get the mark and those who don't have the mark will not have those privileges and that's why if you reject the mark then you will not be able to buy Trade or do any kind of business anymore. But one thing is clear here: is that before this happens, before the marking of this beast happened, before this 666 happens, the Antichrist would be in power already. the The false prophet would be in power already, and this empire is already in existence. So I know there's a lot of people are speculating it. Ito about vaccine or or whatever is going on today? Is it or is it? It's, it's, stop thinking like that. There's Antichrist is not yet in power. The the false prophet is not in power, and we still don't have the the last kingdom in existence. Or maybe it's, we're at the beginning. I don't know. But it's not yet there, and so we're 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 having this worries or concern unnecessarily because we don't know what the scripture is saying. There, there's no need to be concerned at this point in time because. Before this happens, before the marking happens, everything has to be in place first. And you have to be right in the middle of the tribulation period for this to happen as well. And so, when people took this, take this mark, they know exactly what they're committing to. They understand what it means. They understand clearly that when they're going to take this mark, I am surrendering my life to that false Christ. I'm surrendering my life to the antichrist. That's, they know exactly what they're getting into. So it doesn't really matter whether it's a barcode or tattoo or microchip. doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. I don't really care. And you should not care as well. You should not waste a single moment speculating, barcode, Bill Gates, whatever. I know, so, I know you can go so far in this. But don't spend time there. That's a waste, waste of your time. I would rather you preach the gospel rather than study this or even read anything related to this. I used to, but I stopped doing that because it's a waste of time. Because what, what's more important here is their pledge, is their commitment, is their confession that they are giving their life to this guy. Because that's what the mark means. That's the meaning of that mark. 666 six, six here is not a weird, scary number. Let me just tell you what it means. And for me, this is, this is something that goes back to Genesis. And I, 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 this was a comment I got from one of the commentaries I read. But when I began to look into this more, I said, whoa, this is amazing. You know, seven is God's number of perfection. Meaning when you see seven in the Bible, it really talks about perfection, right? Um, that's why uh, every time... Every time seven is mentioned, it's around something that we know that is perfect and that belongs to God. And, but six, it comes fr- from Genesis chapter 1, and it was the day when man was created. We were created on the sixth day. That's why the clue here is it's a number of a man. It's really the, our number as human beings. It's really our number as human beings six because we were created on the sixth day and and remember that now in Christ we find rest so so Jesus when he died on the cross he gave us eternal rest it coincides with the seventh day of creation where God rested basically as for us Christians, God has taken us from the sixth day to the seventh day and the day of rest. We are now in Christ and we are now rested in Christ, in his presence, in his kingdom. But what six means is that it refers to man's other humanity. Now, we are humans. that we are from the ground. That's the meaning of the word six. But the thing is, being a human being Being a human being and being an utterly a human being because of our sins, we are now unacceptable to God. Being a human being is now unacceptable to God because of our sins. That's why Christ has to take us to that point of rest for us to be accepted by God. But this person who sticks at the number six, he wants to remain as a human being. He said, in a sense, as a sinful man, I want to be in this state without the rest of that Christ offers. I want to be number six. I was a human being, and remain as a human. I don't care for what God offers. I don't care for the rest day, or the day of rest, or the rest that Christ offers. Meaning, when you think of seven, and think of the word "holy, holy, holy," right? It talks about. I can, I can imagine that being 777, reminding us of the utter infinite holiness of man, of God. But when you think of 666, it talks about the utter humanity of men. But the thing is, in our current condition, we are unacceptable to God. So the 666 mark simply means that you want to keep, yourse- you want to keep yourself on your current state. You want to keep your current condition your current condition of sinfulness, your current condition of unrighteousness, and you reject the perfection that God offers. So when a person gets the 666, what it means is that I'm going to remain as myself. I'm not going to... I don't want to rely on what God offers. As a human being, I want to remain as myself without with all my sin, with all my unrighteousness. If you remember, the Garden of, in the Garden of Eden... The dragon did not promote himself to Adam. Did not sell himself to Adam. Sometimes we, when you read the Garden of Eden, you might think, if you're not going to read the passage carefully, you might think Satan was trying to win, win Adam and Eve to his side or, or promote himself that you will accept me. It, doesn't, it didn't work that way. What Satan did, he simply told Adam, again, another paraphrase of Al, he simply told Adam, Adam, you can be a better man without God. Adam, you are fine. You are perfectly good. And perfectly good human without God. And this is still, this was a lie back then. And this, still, this is still the lie of Satan today. And this is the lie of Satan in the future. And this idea that you can be a perfectly good human In God without God and you you are okay without God, you can be a better man without God, is the kind of lie that will lead a soul to hell. That will lead a person to the fires of hell. Meaning there's really no original there's really no human idea that you know you might think that it's just me. It's just me. It's not Satan, it's just me. You, now, you have now fallen to the agenda of Satan himself. So 666, simply saying, God, I do not need you. I'm okay as I am. I don't need your salvation. I can be better without you, God. <sighs> Let me just give Uh, quick application for, let let me just go through this one passage in closing. So this is what's going to happen during the tribulation. But this is what John tells us in 1 John 4. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming. And listen to what John says. And it's now in the world. So the person, the physical person of the Antichrist is yet to come in the future during the tribulation. But you know what John said? Even we don't have the physical person of the Antichrist. He said the spirit of the Antichrist is now in his world today. Today. And this is what we're dealing against right now, Christians. This is what we're dealing against now. In, in what's going on in the world today. The, the spirit of antichrist is already in the world. And that's why, let me just give you three last applications. Let me just go to this quickly. One, first, reject anything that insults the character, nature, and work of God. Reject anything that, that insults God. You know, when you begin to think, God, you're not good. God, you're not kind. God, you don't exist. God... You know, any of those thoughts, it comes from the enemy because it is blasphemy against God. You are insulting God's character. That is why when somebody, uh, I know some kids might not like what I'm about to say, but that is the reason why I'm very much against people believing that evolution is true and and that all life came by chance. Because it's blasphemy. Did you know that believing in evolution is blasphemy against God? It is insulting to God. Some people, they try to mix and match evolution. I don't even buy into that. I don't want to give even an inch to that kind of thinking. That everything in this world, I believe that everything in this world is God has ordained, created according to his wisdom. Nothing happens by just mere chance. It's an insult to God. You know why? Imagine if I created a wonderful painting and I'm so excited to show it to Rella. And Rella said, "And I said, Rella, I spent one year pa- making a painting of you. And I, 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 this is my gift for you on your, on your birthday. And Rella said, did a cat make that? <laughs> or did a monkey make the painting? How will I feel? I'll be so much insulted, Right? Kids, when you believe evolution, you are insulting God. It's not, don't take it lightly. You think it's just a, a, a knowledge issue, a scientific issue. No, this is more than a scientific issue. It is a demonic, spiritual battle. It's a, it's a battle against Satan. And the enemy here is selling you these lies. It's blasphemy against God. You're insulting God, actually. Every time you believe in that and you promote that. That's why I'm really zealous against these things because it's insult against God. Another thing, reject any teacher that does not teach the Word of God. I know some of you might want to listen to some speaker but if that person is not promoting the Word of God and it's promoting ideas that is against the Word of God, you are, you are encouraging that person. You are, you are su- su- supporting that person who teaches things that is against the Word of God. I know there are a lot of pastors who claim to be pastors, Christian pastors, but they teach things that re- that's against the word of God. And I don't have to name names, but you know who they are. The idea that, that as a Christian, you just say the word and everything is going to happen. Your word has power. And whatever you say, your word comes to reality. That's not true. That's a lie. It's the same lie that Satan told to Adam in the garden. That you, Satan, uh, Adam, you have power. You can do anything. You know, you have wisdom. You will be like God. And that's exactly what these pastors are promoting. They will say your word has power. And you can accomplish anything with the words you say. Or everything, if you're just going to be a faithful Christian, you'll be prosperous with your life. You'll have a lot of things in life that you know, everything you need will be provided just be watchful of any teacher that does not teach according to the word of God. Just be watchful, of that because it's, again, it's an insult to God, against God's will. Last thing, reject anything that goes against what God has revealed about you and about you. Sorry, there's an in there in scripture, about you in scripture. You know, for me, many times when I do my devotions, you know, I, when I, I sometimes have a sense that the enemy is telling me, Al, give up. Run away from the ministry. Uh, You're not really called. You're not really a pastor. Or you are not uh, equipped for this. Trained for this. And sometimes I sometimes listen and I get depressed. And any other thoughts like that. That you have no hope. One of the things that really hits me hard is the, the thought of not having any hope even as a Christian sometimes Satan puts something in your heart that, that just removes the rug under you and, and I cannot be specific but, but in short you lose hope like just imagine the situation nothing is going to come out of this ministry or eventually it's going to die down Any thoughts like that, just removes hope. And so, let's reject those kinds of thinking. That thoughts that God does not love you, doesn't really care about you, that's from Satan. Anything, any message that removes your hope, causes you to turn away from God, removes joy, those are the lies of the enemy. Let's reject those kinds of things. Because every time God speaks, let me just tell you, every time the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's always, always encouraging. It's always encouraging. Even, even the, the, the thing that's sort of negative when he shows you your sin, the way he does it is still encouraging. Even if he tries to rebuke you of your, of your weakness and sin, it's still done in an encouraging way. So let's reject these things. Reject any ideas, anything that insults God, insults His character, His nature, even His work and accomplishments. Reject anything, anything that goes against God's word, against God's revealed word, and anything that God reveals to you through Scripture. Let us pray. And let's all rise up as we come to our Lord's table. Lord God in heaven, thank you, God, as we've studied your word, read your word, and preach your word, Lord. Lord, I always believe, Lord, that your word is powerful, more powerful than a double edged sword, God. That it pierces our deep, the deepest part of our soul, oh God. I believe your word, O oh God, is able to change hearts and lives, cleanses us, Lord. Even when the message, of oh God, is, is a message like this we have today, Lord. Because these are the words you have spoken, Lord Jesus. The message may not be exactly all about you, Lord, but about our enemy, Lord. But it is you who spoke these words, Lord. It is you who revealed these things to us, Lord. And I believe for a reason, O God, that, Lord, we are not to be complacent in this life, Lord. We are to be watchful, O God, careful in how we live, O God, because we live in a world that is hostile towards you and hostile towards those who follow you and believe in you, Lord. We live in a world, oh God, that hates you, Lord God. That rejects you, oh God. That has so much rage against you, Lord. And Lord, forgive us that we as Christians, oh God, we live life as if we're just walking in the park, oh God. Forgive us, Lord. That we forget these things, Lord. That we are in a battle, oh God. We are in a war, oh God. And and really there's no point for us if we are in the middle of a war, there's really no point of relaxation or complacency in the Christian life. There's really no moment where we feel we're like walking in the park, oh God. But we are always watchful, vigilant, oh God, careful in how we live, making the most of every moment for, for your glory and honor, for things that glorify you. Lord, I pray that you take hold of every heart today, Lord. Let us not, Lord, be hardened in our heart. But Lord, we will surrender to you, Lord God, fully. If we are not in you, if we are still lost and without Christ in our lives, Lord, I pray that we will fully surrender our lives to you as you being our Lord and Savior, confessing you as our Lord and Savior, as Our song goes earlier, oh God. But if you are believers already, Lord God, I pray that we will also surrender our life to you each day, oh God. Live according to your will each day. Faithful to the things that you commanded us to do each day, oh God. And there's a dying world out there, oh God, that needs to hear the message you've given to us, Lord. Give us the courage, oh God, to speak, Lord, Lord, because without you, without your word, without us, O oh God, without f- our feet, O oh God being sent, O oh God, how will they know? How will they hear the gospel? And how will they believe, O oh God, if we will not go and speak, O oh God? And Lord, if they will not hear you and words and com- your word and not come to salvation, O oh God, Lord, they will be one day, O oh God, they will come face to face with this man, O oh God, who's going to deceive them who's going to destroy their lives for all eternity. Oh God, help us to have that courage and that our fear, our being mahi'ain, oh God, shame will not hinder us, oh God. Lord, also I ask you to protect us from the evil one as you've always commanded us, oh God, in the prayer you taught us lord as we come to the table of mercy o oh god as we celebrate the lord's supper lord cleanse our heart let our hearts be holy and pleasing before you lord as as we take this element so oh god lord it is out of a a heart without guilt without o oh god any kind of sin that we harbor o oh god Forgive us, Lord, if there's still sin in our lives. Sin, unconfessed sin. Forgive us, Lord. We confess any of the sins. You know, take time to confess any sin in your heart. You know, we are commanded in Scripture that we are to take these elements in a worthy manner. Uh, you know, with a heart that's right before God. And so this cannot be done if there's still some kind of unrepentance in your heart. I would rather you avoid taking this if you're still harboring sin in your heart and you're not confessing it and you're not unwilling to confess it confess to the lord any kind of sin that's in your heart any guilt that's in your heart lord forgive us lord and lord i pray that you help us by your holy spirit take this in a worthy manner lord and renew us oh god renew our souls today lord that the joy of Christ fills us, saturates our hearts, oh God. Now, Lord, in that joy that you give us, oh God, this will be our strength, oh God, as we go out into the world, as we spend time with our family, as we spend time with our friends, oh God, it will be your joy that will strengthen us. That we will be, Lord, your light encouragers, oh God. That Lord, people as they look at our lives, they, too, will be encouraged. Believers will be encouraged. Those who are lost will desire to know you, O oh God, because of who we are, because of the way we live our lives. Help us, Lord, in a way how we love our husbands or how we love our wives. Let it be, Lord, that honors you in such a way that honors and glorifies you, Lord. In the way we care and love for our children, love our children, Lord, let it be that it is pleasing and honorable before you, Lord Jesus. Lord, in the way we we relate with people at work, let it be pleasing and honorable before you, Lord. In the way we relate with our classmates and office mates and, and Lord, school or wherever we are, Lord, Lord God, we honor and please you, Lord. Oh, let your light so shine through this church. Let your light so shine through everyone here. Let your light so shine through every life, oh God, that people will see your glory, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the strength. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Jesus reminded us to take this as often in remembrance of him, in remembrance of what he has done on our behalf. This bread reminds us of Jesus' body A body that was broken. His body was broken for our our sake. In fact, by his stripes we've been healed. And it's talking more of the spiritual healing that Jesus brought to all of us through his stripes, through the wounds, through his broken body. We gained healing. Let us take this bread together, remembering the body of Christ, broken for us. the same way we took the bread, this cup reminds us of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for the remission of sins. This blood covers us from our sins. That the punishment that that we deserve, the punishment that was supposed to be ours, it was poured on the Lord Jesus Christ. He took all the wrath of God, the anger of God against sin, we may be free. This is what the blood represents blood of Christ shed for our sins, for the remission of sins. Stake the blood the juice together. Thank you, Lord. Let's close our time in service. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you for the worship, wonderful worship, Lord. You've given us heart that worships You, O oh God. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for the worship team leading us, Lord. Continue to strengthen their faith. Continue to deepen their love for You, Lord. And as they continue to lead us, O oh God, we will grow deeper also in our worship with You. That they, their worship will be infectious, O oh God. That their worship will encourage the church to cry out in worship as well. Lord, I praise you for this church, O God, that you have given us a church, O God, that loves you, Lord, loves your word. And the stories I hear, O God, of each one, O God, faithfully spending time in your words, faithfully praying, O God, committed to prayer, O God, committed to ministry, O God, serving you through our life groups, even as care groups, and even in our Bible studies, in our our classes, among our children, our youth, our, our men, our women and the different ministries we have, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've given a church that loves you and loves your word and loves one another. Oh, God, let this church truly, Lord, be a church that continues to grow, oh, God, in that love for you, Lord, and love for one another, Lord. The people will see your love and your glory through us, Lord. Bless our time of fellowship. The joy of Christ. Feel us. Encourage us. And may your grace and peace be upon us, Lord as we uh, spend another week in the outside this building. Till we meet again next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.